This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This class, uh, we will examine the topic of post-traumatic stress, uh, commonly referred to as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. We're going to take a look at this from a biblical perspective, and uh, I'm looking forward to this study. We, got, we have 10 weeks, so um, this is just the first installment of, uh, of 10, and actually, I don't know, this may be the longest, so I'm, uh, forgive me if it seems like we're going we're gonna to get going here and we may have to fly. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that I've got too much material tonight to cover. But that's okay. If we don't finish, we'll pick it up next week. But I'd, but I'd like to, we'll see, see if we can push through it. You know, it, it's difficult, as you might understand or discern, this is a, uh, in one sense, a very complicated topic, uh, very nuanced, uh, controversial. It involves the intersection of mind and body, the spiritual and the physical. And uh, there are many opinions out there on PTSD, even within Christian circles, even, even within uh, biblical counseling uh, circles, you know, there are slightly uh, different opinions, and, and that's okay. And so uh, it was, it's, it's, so I need God's help. I'm thankful that Mike prayed for me. You know, I need God's grace, certainly, as I always do, uh, as I'm talking about this uh, subject. Um, but even, I was putting, even as I was putting this uh, handout together, I found myself wanting to qualify nearly everything or put a little asterisk beside nearly every statement that I was making and say, well, you know, understand that I'm saying it in this light or in that light. But uh, I didn't, I ended up not doing that or otherwise the notes would have been, you know, 20 pages long instead of seven pages long. But you'll get it as we proceed if you end up sticking with the class. And it's okay if you don't. I won't be... I won't be mad. I'm looking at everyone here tonight. If I see some of you heading into Matt Brown's class next week, that's, that's, that's perfectly okay. Um, but if you uh, end up staying in here, you'll, you'll understand by the end kind of where we're coming from, where I'm coming from. And, of course, I want you to ask questions and, or object, uh, disagree. I really do want your help and input um, one of the reasons that I'm teaching this class, it wasn't what I was planning on teaching, uh, but long story short, uh, we have some, some of our AFBM missionaries who appreciate this kind of training, and there may be, uh, there may be opportunities in the future for us to kind of help with this. And so that's why I'm doing this. And so, but really, I'm starting to build this class from scratch. I've done a lot of reading on the topic in the past and taken a few classes that deal with it, but this is really the first time that I'm putting it all together. And so right now, um, I'm not really satisfied with the, uh, the notes as they stand, but please, uh, I, that's why I need your help. If there's anything I'm missing, um, perspectives, please, uh, please let me know. Whether it's during class or after class, feel free to agree, disagree. And uh, your input is helpful as we continue to build this class. All right, so let's, uh, let's jump in. Any, any questions before we get started? Anything I 
should have said off the bat that I didn't. Okay, and we are going to, this is going to be a Bible intensive class down the road tonight in this, this kind of overview lesson. Um, we're not going to be digging into scripture as much as we certainly will down the road. Tonight, I just want to kind of give us an overview of PTSD, what, what this is. And we're going to do that by um, answering these five, they're called the five journalistic questions. And I almost hate to use that word, term journalism. To, you know, it's such a, carries such terrible connotations these days. Um, but uh, the, these five questions or information gathering questions, uh, some of you who uh, are in school now, I don't know if your professors tell you, you know, when you write a paper, one of the ways you kind of, you have to explain the who, what, when, where, and why. At least that's what my teachers, I don't know if they're still teaching that these days in school. But we're going to try to ask and answer those basic questions pertaining to post-traumatic stress. Who, what, when, where, and why, although we're going to take them a little bit uh, out of order. Okay? And of course, when we're, when we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, the traumatic, uh, I think everyone here understands, we're talking about spiritual trauma, right? Soul trauma, emotional or mental trauma, and not physical trauma, not an actual physical wound, although um, an incident in which somebody suffers an actual physical wound can obviously lead to mental, emotional, spiritual stress. We all understand that. But uh, again, just wanted to mention that when we're talking about post-traumatic stress, uh, PTSD, we're referring to uh, mental distress, okay? Emotional, spiritual distress. So first question, who? Who suffers from PTSD? And you see I have the D there in kind of brackets. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to spend, I think it's going to be lesson three, and we're going to ask the question, is PTSD a disorder? Okay, it's, it's commonly known as post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, should, should it be termed a disorder? We're going to analyze that question. We're going to take all of lesson three and, uh, and discuss that. But for now, I've got it in brackets. Um, and the question is who? Who suffers from PTSD? Anyone. Anyone can struggle with post-traumatic stress. That's the first blank. Anyone. Stress in the wake of trauma is something experienced by all kinds of people. This is not just a military thing. Okay, it's not, this is not exclusive to combat veterans. It's not exclusive to uh, first responders, police officers, firefighters. Anybody can experience post-traumatic stress. And we're going to dig into that a lot more uh, in subsequent lessons. Uh, let's look at this quote by uh, H. Norman Wright, who, by the way, I don't fully endorse everything. He's a Christian integrationist type counselor, not what we would term a biblical counselor, but uh, I'm going to quote him nonetheless here. This experience is not limited to those who have gone through war. 
I've seen it in the father who saw his daughter fatally crushed in an accident and in women who were sexually abused as children or who experienced an abortion. I've seen it in the paramedic, the chaplain, the nurse, the survivor of a robbery, the traffic accident or rape victim, and in those subjected to pressure or harassment in the workplace. I saw it in the faces of those in New York City after 9-11. Okay, so anyone can struggle with the symptoms that we associate with post-traumatic stress. And then I would strongly contend, and this is actually, that I there is me, this isn't uh, Mr. Wright, I would argue, I would strongly argue that nearly all human beings at some point in their lives have struggled with some form of post-traumatic stress. Most cases are relatively minor uh, with very mild symptoms. But that is my strong contention nonetheless. And if you uh, disagree with that, you're, you're welcome to disagree. But we'll be discussing this again at length, uh, certainly as we proceed here in, in, in future lessons. And I think uh, soon, even today, you'll understand where I'm coming from. And uh, it's important to understand that post-traumatic stress, this is not some bizarre uh, or mysterious phenomenon as complicated and as nuanced as it is, and it certainly is, again, involving the intersection of, of the spiritual and the physical, mind and body, very complex in that sense, and yet at the same time, uh, everybody experiences this. Um, and so you can relate, and one of the reasons uh, I'm pointing this out, this is important because all of us as Christians, as born-again Christians, the Bible calls all of us to love and provoke one another to good works. We are all to counsel and encourage one another. And so you may be called, you may uh, end up running into a, a brother, a sister in Christ, or maybe someone else, an unbeliever, who's struggling with post-traumatic stress. And instead of feeling like, oh my, you know, this is a, some mysterious thing. I know nothing about this. There's no way in the world that I could possibly help this person. No. Um, you, again, certainly by the time you're an adult, and of course there's uh, unfortunately teenagers that uh, experience post-traumatic stress in all our world, but I, again I would argue that certainly uh, as we become adults we've all had some experience with post-traumatic stress, even if it's uh, even if it's on a much smaller scale than the trauma that some experience. Anybody want to guess the uh, the scripture reference that goes in that that blank there at the end of the end of the uh, paragraph? I'm trying to make the point that this is this is not an uncommon problem that we need to be intimidated by. Anybody think of a Bible verse that says that uh, there's no temptation that's overtaken you? That's How about 1 Corinthians? You, you guys know it. 1 Corinthians 10.13. And you can turn there if you'd like. 1 Corinthians 10.13. You guys all had it on the tip of your tongue. Nobody, you guys just didn't want to show off. I know. 
1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The problems, the trials, the temptations that we experience in life, they're, they're not unique. We're not the only one that has experienced them or suffered in that way. Uh, all of our problems are common to man. Even though each, each, individual, each individual case may be a bit different, but nonetheless, uh, the basics, the, the origins, the genesis of post-traumatic stress, it's, it's something that's common to man. We've all experienced post-traumatic stress, even if in, um, on a small scale. The second half of this verse uh, will become very relevant down the road, not in this lesson, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Praise God for that. And again, we'll be talking more about the biblical solution, if you will, to post-traumatic stress uh, in subsequent lessons. But for now, I'm kind of just focusing on the first half of that verse. This is a common problem. Okay. Moving right along, let's start answering the what here. What is post-traumatic stress, as it's commonly known as PTSD? Concerning post-traumatic stress disorder, H. Norman Wright states the following. It's been called tunnel disease, nostalgia, soldier's heart, nervous exhaustion, and DaCosta's syndrome. But it wasn't until World War I that the term shell shock was coined. Later, it was called war memories. It came to the forefront after the Vietnam War, that's your next blank there, and became known as post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. It's also referred to as trauma or aftershock, which are new names for an old problem. Flipping the page, what does PTSD look like in real life? What does it look like? in real life. Well here's just a few examples. Just a few examples. How about the Holocaust survivor? And these are all true. These aren't uh, examples that I just kind of made up based on what I, you know, what I think PTSD looks like. These are uh, examples either that I've heard in person from an individual or from a trusted source. These are, these are real examples. How about the Holocaust survivor who spent years in a Nazi prison camp and now lives in a major metropolitan area and this person becomes fearful and hides in her closet whenever she hears police or ambulance sirens. You know, fear is, as you probably know, fear is a common cause of the symptoms that we associate with PTSD, post-traumatic stress. And, you know, we read an example like this, and, you know, we're, we're tempted to think, wow, I mean, that's, that's odd. You know, doesn't she realize that, you know, the 1940s, the late 30s, that, that was 75 years ago. Isn't she over it? Um, it's temp it, you know, we're tempted to think that right off, right off the bat. And I'm not trying to justify her her response, but uh, none of us have ever spent time in a Nazi death camp. This is a, it's a real problem. 
How about the female who was raped as a teenager and has struggled with flashbacks of the event perpetrated by a family friend? Her life is now characterized by mistrust of authority. She has difficulty relating to men. How about the Vietnam veteran who struggled with unwanted memories for years after the war? particularly those memories related to an occasion when he angrily and vengefully cut open the chest of a dead Viet Cong soldier. Uh, he told his buddies to see what his lungs look like. Guilt is, uh, guilt is something else that contributes to unwanted thoughts and spiritual agitation. And that's the way God made us, by the way, uh, with a conscience. You know, we should feel guilty uh, when we sin. How about the army chaplain who struggled with nightmares, anger, and depression for years following the Vietnam War? Anger is another, just like fear, just like guilt. Anger is another, we would say, common contributor to the symptoms that we associate with PTSD. And actually, this army chaplain, I know this gentleman, I've spoken with him at length, I uh, kind of interviewed him for about an hour or so about his PTSD. He's a wonderful, uh, born-again Christian. I've even thought of having him come and speak at a, um, a ask, I've thought of asking pastor to maybe have him come and speak at a uh, military pre appreciation service one day. He's uh, a pastor now in North Carolina. Pretty, he's uh, in his 70s right now, but a uh, wonderful man of God, and uh, he struggled. And we'll talk more about his case because it's, it's very insightful. Uh, as I was asking him and, and just trying to learn about PTSD, uh, just what he explained to me, just getting down to the, the really the root cause, the underlying heart issues. And for him it was anger. It was anger. It was discontentment. He didn't like what happened over there in Vietnam. He didn't like uh, just how things were handled in terms of our government and uh, what was going on in society. He was angry that uh, folks that he knew uh, died. And so for him, it all boiled down to his anger and his discontentment with, uh, with circumstances. And uh, he sees that, and uh, he shared that with me. And again, he has a wonderful testimony uh, as far as how the Lord's helped him in the years since. But... Uh, Anyway, how about the, uh, the Vietnam veteran who, after the war, sometimes had panic attacks, and by panic attacks I'm referring to accelerated heart rate, shortness of breath, um, etc., in traffic jams, okay, so this vet had these panic attacks, especially in traffic jams, and particularly when car horns blared, as such situations brought to his mind specific episodes from his service uh, in the crowded streets of Saigon during the war. And this gentleman's case teaches me that uh, PTSD, it's, this is not just a problem that, you know, weak-minded individuals have. Uh, this guy uh, was a Rhodes Scholar. He left, uh, this was a brilliant guy, he left uh, all of his scholarships and all of that behind. His name is Carl Merlantes. He's not, uh, he's not a believer, but uh, he's an author, speaker. You can Google some of his books on Vietnam. A uh, very intelligent man, uh, served as an, an Army infantry officer uh, during the Vietnam War. And uh, 
this is just a bit of what he has shared concerning his, his uh, struggles with post-traumatic stress. How about the Korean War veteran who had occasional nightmares about combat and, w and would awaken to find himself on top of his wife wrestling with her in bed? Or how about the Navy photographer who fell out of a helicopter uh, when the, when the uh, so he's taking pictures there, hanging out the edge of the, uh, the, the helicopter, and the helicopter kind of pitched, and this guy fell out. I don't think it was very far. It may have only been 10 or 20 feet uh, from, what, uh, from what I understand, but now and ever since then, this gentleman is deathly afraid of heights. Again, these are all true stories. Uh, this, this account was actually relayed to me by one of our members who worked with this gentleman in the shipyards uh, for many, many years. How about the housewife who struggles with anxiety, intrusive thoughts, and nightmares following a home invasion during which a burglar ransacked her house while she and her children hid in a bedroom closet? Or the Christian adult who struggled with anger, anxiety, intrusive thoughts, and then depression as he attempted to resolve various pressure-filled family-related problems. You know, home stress, uh, stress on the home front, sometimes can be uh, just as difficult as uh, stress over on the battlefront uh, or in the workplace. Or how about the policeman who suffers from anxious, intrusive thoughts following a, a shooting at a local high school during which he witnessed the death of several teenagers and even was involved in the, in the uh, cleanup, for lack of a better term. Moving right along. Wow, time is slipping away. Any, any uh, questions, comments? We go till 9 o'clock, is that right? <laughs> okay. We're answering the question, what? What is post-traumatic stress disorder? Okay, how about this definition from the Mayo Clinic? They're the, the heavy hitters here, the Mayo Clinic. Um, I, anyway, we'll say more. I'm, anyway, I was going to make a joke, but I won't. The Mayo Clinic offers the following definition of PTSD. Uh, and, of course, they wouldn't put the brackets around the D. They would wholly, you know, embrace that this is a a disorder. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is a mental health condition that is triggered by a terrifying event. So triggered was your fill-in-the-blank there. By a terrifying event, either by experiencing it or witnessing it. Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about the event. Since the term post-traumatic stress disorder comes you know where this comes from? I mean, the official, the handbook. The DSM. The DSM. You're right. Very good. It stands for the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And I should have put in there in parentheses the DSM. That's what, uh, that's what it's commonly referred to as. We had to, in one of the counseling classes that I I uh, took, when I was at Maranatha, you know, we had to work, we were working with the DSM a lot. I didn't, I'm thankful I didn't have to buy a copy. Okay, it's like that thick it's, and it's, it's, it's really expensive and I'm glad the, the library had their copy so I didn't have to buy one. But um, anyway, this is kind of like the Bible for the secular uh, psych, psychology community. Okay, the psychiatric community. 
this is how folks are diagnosed with PTSD. It's by matching what they relay to their psychologist, their psychiatrist, or their, their primary care doctor. And that uh, doctor or psychologist matches what the person's telling them versus what uh, the criteria are in the DSM. We'll talk more about that uh, in lesson two and in lesson three. But anyway, very good, AROC, the DSM. Um, now in its fifth edition, 2013, uh, it, it's helpful to understand with the APA, that's who publishes the DSM, the American Psychiatric Association, it's, uh, it's helpful to understand how they describe this disorder. Okay, so according to the APA, there are certain criteria that determine the existence of PTSD as follows. And this is, uh, I'm summarizing here what, you know, the actual definition and the criteria, it's, it's, it would take like three full pages here in the notes, so I'm condensing it here. Uh, but one, the person was exposed to a, to a traumatic event or series of events. So traumatic was your fill in the blank. Next, the person consistently re-experiences the events through dreams, intrusive memories, flashbacks, etc. Third, the person tends to avoid situations or stimuli that remind them of the event. Next, the person experiences marked alterations or changes in arousal, arousal and reactivity. For example, an exaggerated startle response, hypervigilance, okay, they're, all, they're always on edge, particularly when they're maybe confronted with uh, situation, circumstance that reminds them of the place, the situation where their trauma occurred. Sleep disturbance, difficulty sleeping, Next, the person experiences negative alterations in cognition and mood. Mood. For example, difficulty concentrating. Okay, because their minds are racing, you know, with, with various thoughts, anxieties. Persistent guilt, anxiety, and fear. And then, finally, the person uh, has to exhibit these symptoms for more than 30 days. Okay, it's kind of... It strikes me as kind of random, kind of uh, arbitrary. And again, we're going to talk about that uh, in a couple lessons. I'm going to hone more in on that. If the symptoms last from only 2 to 30 days, then the diagnosis is acute stress disorder. Okay? Again, that's from the folks at the APA. Now... I would argue, as I've already said, that most of us have experienced similar symptoms, even if on a smaller scale. Uh, so perhaps that means that some of you, maybe we've had acute stress disorder and not post-traumatic stress disorder. Maybe, uh, maybe you've had stresses in your life where uh, it hasn't been overwhelming to the point where these thoughts, these memories have just dominated your thinking and led to other problems for you know more than 30 days again according to the APA maybe it's been it hasn't been as significant as severe but uh, again I would argue that we can all relate to this problem um, think about this have you ever laid awake at night after a particularly difficult day at work I wonder if Pastor Asher 
has ever laid awake at night after uh, some particularly difficult days he's had in the ministry. Uh, when his, uh, maybe when some of his assistant pastors have caused him trouble. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. But you know, what I, you know what I mean. How about you? Um, have you ever laid awake at night because of some problem? that's happened in your life, maybe a significant family issue, uh, maybe something happened where you said something, you did something, and you realized, you know, I should not have said that. And it led to lots of trouble, and now you, you went to bed that night feeling horribly, uh, maybe embarrassed, humiliated, um, you know that maybe you hurt someone and there's all kind of mess that needs to be cleaned up. How well did you sleep that night? How well did you sleep that night? Or did you sleep at all? Or maybe after receiving troubling news, perhaps an unwanted, unwelcome medical diagnosis. Have you ever struggled with unwanted thoughts or memories? When? And what kinds of situations has this happened? Think about it. I'm not asking for volunteers uh, to share, but just think about that. Have you ever been reluctant to repeat an activity that in the past, okay, this same activity in the past you know has led to significant stress, uh, maybe embarrassment, um, maybe even the threat of physical danger or some other kind of threat. Okay. Again, this is uh, the the origins, and I hope I hope that I'm making sense here. And I, again, I hope that you guys are all very quiet now. And I know maybe I'm I'm moving fast, and I told you I'm in a hurry tonight. I shouldn't have said that because now you're reluctant to raise your hand and jump in. But uh, I hope you'll uh, you'll share and provide some feedback. But uh, this really is a common problem. As we'll see, some people allow their trauma, again, we're going to see this in subsequent lessons, some people allow their trauma, their stress, their difficult circumstances, and they become, they, they, they give in to, to fear, to anger, bitterness, uh, or maybe it's guilt, and they spiral down, as Jim, Dr. Jim Berg likes to say, they end up spiraling down. And their minds become just flooded uh, with, the, with the fear, the anger. And it leads to depression, ultimately. It leads to despair, hopelessness, and then all kind of other problems uh, in some cases. Destructive uh, life patterns and habits, drug abuse, drunkenness, etc. Um, doesn't have to happen. Again, these are common problems. We all face stress, but if we respond... You know, by God's grace, if we respond biblically, uh, we can still thrive and even grow through our trauma. And again, that's, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. But can anybody relate to what we're talking about here? Anybody had uh, sleepless nights, racing thoughts? Uh, I think most of you understand. Um, let me just share... I'm tempted, you know, if we had more time, I'd go around the room. Um, 
let me just share a few. And this is this is real small scale. Okay, I, I've I've experienced some stress, some major stress in my life. I could point to two different um, situations, sets of circumstances, problems in my life that I have really st struggled with. Two big ones that God has really used, and that's what He wants to do. By the way, just to, as a tease, you know we're. We're going we're gonna to get there in, in a few weeks, uh, but that's what God wants to do. He wants to use, and he allows and even brings some of these problems into our lives uh, to help us, to grow us, to make us more like Christ. Okay? Um, where was I going? Okay, so two big ones, but I'm not going to talk about those tonight. Let me just share some real small stuff, um, but I think you can relate. Uh, nightmares. Anybody have nightmares associated with a traumatic event? Do you know the one, a few of you, again, this, this is small potatoes, but again, the, the origins, the genesis of this problem, it's all the same. My first job out of college, I was a high school history and, and social studies teacher. And I worked at uh, Central, Bucks School, Central Bucks West School District in Doylestown, Pennsylvania for three years. And my principal, Rod Stone, I'll never forget him, he wasn't a real nice guy. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this recording, but uh, he, was, he was not a nice guy, and uh, he was not a believer. My supervisor, you know, in the history department, maybe I won't mention, he, he's not going to listen. Um, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't mention names. Skip the name. I shouldn't mention names. But uh, <laughs> these gentlemen would occasionally pop in unannounced and observe my class. Okay, so I was a new teacher. I was 22 years old, teaching high school seniors who were like 18, you know, some of them 17, 18. Uh, I taught 10th graders. And so, and we, we had block scheduling. Okay, when I taught at CB West. In other words, we had four big classes a day. Each class was 90 minutes. So I had to prepare to, to engage a class of 30-some high school students for 90 minutes. That's a long time. So it's not like, you know, this is a 10-minute class where I can kind of get by and, and wing it if I wasn't prepared. I, I had to be prepared. And um, I had to be prepared to keep these folks busy for 90 minutes. And I was doing multiple stuff, usually like five, six, seven different things during that time. Can I tell you, and I never knew when, when Mr. Stone or Mr. I was going to say names, or the other guy was going to show up just stone-faced when they came in. No smile, no, you know, hello, John, how are you doing today? They would just come in kind of stone-faced and just go straight to the back and sit, pull out their notebook and just be ready, you know, when I was ready to start <laughs> getting ready to teach. And uh, can I tell you that I, I never remember my dreams. I don't know about you, but I, I wake up in the morning. Cindy, my wife, you know, she always says, you know, I dreamed about this. I never remember my dreams, uh, even like five seconds after I wake up. But I have had so many dreams since, this is 20-some years ago, um, I've had so many dreams at night, nightmares, where I see this principal, this gentleman coming into my class, and I'm not ready. Okay, that's the, 
that's the number one dream that I've had uh, through the years. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I can still, again, this is, this is small stuff. I, I realize that compared to some of the cases we read about earlier, some of the folks who've, who really struggle with significant stuff uh, in terms of traumatic episodes in their lives. But I'll tell you, I, uh, there was a time I was in Ireland visiting a couple missionaries. And uh, anybody here at the Cliffs of Moher? Okay, it's like this uh, famous spot on the west coast of Ireland. And the, it's real pretty. And these, these cliffs, you know, they kind of bend. I wish I had a picture of them tonight to put on the screen. But, you know, it's a real pretty spot. The cliffs just drop straight down to the, the ocean, the beach there about, I don't know if it's 300 feet down, something like that. Um, and uh, anyway, it's not like in America where they have the nice, like, guard, you know, rails and, and signs and fences. So I'm coming down to check this out, and I, I do step over this one little thing, but I see there's other people past it, and I kind of, not run, but I kind of, you know, walk a little bit too fast down this thing, and the next thing you know, my foot is here, and there's the edge, and I was looking down about 300 feet, and uh, thank the Lord, I, I stopped and <laughs> didn't fall off, or otherwise I wouldn't be here tonight, but uh, I'll tell you, I, I vividly, I can Tonight, I can, I can picture that, that moment. Um, and there, there's other examples that are kind of imprinted in my mind, you know, of times that I've turned in front of cars. Uh, I've made turns when I shouldn't have, kind of too quick. Cindy tells me I'm, I'm an aggressive, you know, driver. Um, and I've, I've kind of made quick turns when I shouldn't have, and I've kind of endangered the family. I remember, I can remember two of them, and I can, I can picture, I can tell you exactly where they happened. Uh, of course, there's other stories I could tell. Again, nothing too, too serious from my time in Iraq, although, uh, you know, I, can, I could tell you about the occasion when my driver, uh, who was sitting next to me in, in a Humvee, and he got shot in the arm, the, the round passed in front of my face, and uh, hit him in the arm. And uh, he started to panic, and I had to grab the, the wheel and kind of make sure we didn't, you know, wreck because we were getting uh, attacked by some insurgents in a Humvee off to the right. And I could tell you a few other stories like that from Iraq, um, but I didn't see, I didn't see combat uh, at all to the extent that, that some of our, our Marines did. But uh, anyway, my point is, my point in all of that is that these things stick with us. Can you relate? Can you relate to what I'm talking about? And it's my contention, again, that uh, the genesis, the origins of this problem, uh, it, it's, it's kind of the same for all of us, although the, the circumstances can be much more severe than what, obviously, than what I've shared with you from my experience tonight. But uh, it's really how we handle our circumstances that matters. And uh, how we, and I, I want to, maybe I'm tempted to jump ahead to a quote because um, we're running low on time here. Man, what happened? Did somebody speed up the clock? Well, let me, here, here's the quote I, w I was going to share. Let me jump ahead to it because I think it's, uh, Take a look at page 6, and then we'll go back and we'll work our way as much as we, we can. 
Take a look at the top of page six. This is, uh, I think this is so significant that we'll, uh, we're going to come back to this anyway. Greg Gifford. This is a biblical counselor, uh, uh, good guy. He's on our side, uh, if you want to put it that way. He believes that the Bible is sufficient to help, help us no matter what trouble we're experiencing in life. I like his analysis. He says that PTSD is an interpretive disorder. It's an interpretive disorder. Now, I don't know if I'd use the word disorder. Uh, he's probably just borrowing from what is... But we, we have... It, it's an interpretive problem. Okay? For those of us who have allowed our stress to overwhelm us, to where we sink into anxiety, fear, depression, okay? We have an interpretive problem, okay? Meaning that the way one perceives the threat determines their response to the threat. To say it another way, the interpretation of the circumstances determines the response to the circumstances. I could put it this way, to borrow from another biblical counselor, we are... We are meaning makers. Okay, this isn't in the notes, but uh, we are meaning makers by nature. Uh, it's the meaning that we ascribe to our circumstances, circumstances that, that matters. Okay, does that make sense? Um, take a look at this next uh, little quote here. It kind of says the same thing. Um, again, we're at the top of page six. Now the second bullet. Uh, as someone has once said, and I don't know who deserves credit for this. I've heard it several times in various classes. But it's not your circumstances that matter most. Instead, it's what you think about your circumstances that makes all the difference. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense to me. I appreciate that quote, whoever deserves credit for it. It's not our circumstances that matter most. We all, you know, we will all experience stress, various traumas, you know, whether it's home stress, stress in the workplace, wherever it is. Uh, we will all encounter these stresses in life. It's what we do with them that matters. It's how we interpret what's going on. It's the meaning that we ascribe to our circumstances that makes all the difference. And if we see that a sovereign, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead now to a future lesson, but if we, if we see that a sovereign, loving, wise God is in control of all of our circumstances, and of course, we need to be His child, right? We need to be a born-again believer by faith in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross at Calvary. But if you're one of God's children, okay, Romans 8.28, you know that he's working out everything in your life for your good. And what's the good? Verse 29, it's conformity to the image of Christ. And so our sovereign, loving, wise God, he's in control of all of your circumstances. And he wants to use them to make you more like his son, Jesus. We need to realize that. And uh, we need to think God's thoughts. We need a biblical we need to have a biblical response 
to our trauma, our stress. But again, more on that later. Um, let's jump back. Oh, it's 8.15. What time are we supposed to stop here, Pastor? This is it. Maybe that's a good stopping point. How did I only get halfway through the notes here? Who can I blame for that? Okay. All right, well, thank you for your attention. I'm sorry that there... I knew this was going to be kind of the, the busiest lesson because I was trying to jam a lot of stuff into this introduction. I probably was too... I tried to jam too much in there, so forgive me for that. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick up next week for those of you who choose to continue. If you don't choose to continue, that's, that's perfectly fine. I'm sure Brother Brown's class on missions, that's going to be a wonderful class. I kind of like to take it myself. Um, but uh, anyway, please share, <clears throat> please share uh, thoughts with me, input, um, agree, disagree. Like I said, I'm trying to, this is the, I've thought about this a lot through the years. Again, I've I shared some of the small potatoes kind of stuff with you, but uh, there have been two things, like I said, two, uh, two um, situations, uh, sets of circumstances in my life that have been very difficult for me. And uh, I'm so thankful for them. Looking back, I've grown so much through them, and I appreciate what God did. But uh, uh, anyway, I... Uh, this is something I've thought a lot about through the years and have read a lot about. But when it comes to putting it down on paper here, which I've scrambled to do here in the last few days, I'm not sure that I've got it all in here right or that it's, it makes sense. So please, again, I, I really welcome your, your criticism because we want to build these classes uh, for the future so they can be a help to people. So we welcome your input. Let's, let's close in prayer. Thank you again for your attention. Dear Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, that you are a sovereign God who controls all things and who loves us more than we can understand or comprehend. And Father, you're all wise as well. And you know exactly the circumstances the, uh, the trials and difficulties that are necessary in each of our lives to get our attention. In some cases, to bring us to salvation in the first place. To bring us to the point where we recognize that we are lost on our own, that we absolutely need you. We need the forgiveness, the pardon that you offer us through Jesus Christ and his death on our behalf. <laughs> And Lord, in other cases, for those who are already your children, Lord, we need to grow. Uh, and nothing helps that process push that along like trials and trouble, Lord. And we, we know that and because we, uh, we are prone to wander. And so, Lord, in your love and your mercy and your goodness, you, you allow difficulties into our lives to grow us, to help us to, to look to you, to cling to you, to run to you. And, uh, Father, we praise you for that. And uh, we just pray that you'd help us in the weeks to come to understand more of your, what your word says about these uh, very common problems that we all face. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to gain a biblical perspective 
uh, on this particular problem. And uh, we ask that in the name of Jesus. Uh, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.